Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Now, Leon Tailoring is also well-known, we all know, for their tailor-made clothes, but you also know they're ready for their custom-made and ready-made clothing as well. That's right, clothes that are right there on the rack that you can buy and pick up, and they'll make the alterations included in the price. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. And of course, then you know, if they want something tailor-made specifically just for you, then they can do it. So whether it's tailor-made, whether it's ready-made, or whether it's custom-made, it is for you and you specifically. So swing on by Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you and happy to take care of you. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Oh, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Adam. Thank you to the Indy Chamber. And I, I, I just saw my wife. She, uh, my wife and sister are here. Brother-in-law, they arrived separately. And so that's the reason for the detour in the room. But Mary, wave your, wait, wait, wave your hand there. Oh, my wife, my wife, Mary Shree. And God bless any candidate spouse that goes along with this. Hey, Abdul? Yes. <laughs> Abdul and I had the chance to, to run and compete together. And when you can run and compete and emerge as friends with, with a fellow like Abdul, that's a great thing. Uh, it's an honor. It's an honor, my honor, to appear at the Hobnob as my party's nominee for mayor of Indianapolis. I've long been an Indy Chamber member. I've attended this proud event many times, mostly at Union Station. It's a great civic tradition, and I hope, I hope this continues. I'm disappointed not to appear alongside Mayor Hogsett. That's not ego. It's just that until this year, the Hobnob was the signature mayoral debate in Indianapolis, and this change was made not at my behest. I would love to be uh, standing alongside our mayor, but this is the ground rule that he set uh, for this conversation. The mayor hasn't agreed to a televised debate. Multiple media outlets have requested that we take part in such debate. I stand ready and eager to have that opportunity. But until, but until our mayor agrees, this won't happen. So maybe we can get him there. Uh, I believe voters deserve the chance to hear from both candidates who aim to lead this city, and I'm looking forward to that. I also want to address up front the political climate in which we gather here tonight. This is uh, probably one of the more competitive mayoral races than we've seen in a few cycles, as it should be, because this is a big job, a lot of stuff on the line. India is a big city. Uh, we're big enough to have a mayor's race litigated with a lot of advertising. Maybe some of you have seen some of it. I've certainly had a hand in a few pieces. Uh, <laughs> But we're also a community that works and worships, lives, and raises our families together as neighbors. This isn't about the distant problems of Washington, D.C., even though some of the issues in this campaign have been nationalized. This is about our hometown. I want this group of business and civic leaders to know that I'm mindful of this reality as I prosecute my case against the current administration and work so hard to be hired by you for this important job. Win or lose, win or lose, I'll be living here when this is done, and Joe Hogsett very likely will too. And I think the message a candidate takes to voters on the airwaves, on your phones, and in our mailboxes should be of the same one he or she takes in a room like this with smart, engaged, informed voters as we do anywhere else. There's basic integrity in this. 
I want to be clear. I'm commissioning ads that take Joe Hogsett's record head on. I'm standing here tonight. I signed up for that too, and it's not always easy. <laughs> Politics can be a rough business, but we should be able to hash it out civilly amongst neighbors. I suspect the mayor's unwillingness to stand with me here tonight is related to his advertising strategy. Notice his ads aren't principally about his record. They're almost all about me. And I suppose in maybe some sense I should be flattered by that. Small sense. So in lieu of a proper debate, let's settle this. Joe Hogg's core argument, near as I can tell about why I shouldn't be mayor, is that I'm a Republican. Well, I am. Lifelong. Guilty as charged. So now let's, uh, we've covered that. Let's talk about Indianapolis. I entered this difficult race because we all live here and know that the energy in the city is not what it was but a decade ago. Being mayor is a big, tough job. I believe it's the toughest job in politics. And there's a lot to take on. I want to share with you a part of my vision for our city and a sense for where I aim to take this city as a whole. And I'll give you a snapshot. I got 10 minutes here. I began my career, I'm one, I'm a son of this city. I was born here in town. But I began my career where I put a necktie on and came downtown in 1988, about three blocks from here, in the Capitol Center South Tower. I took a job with uh, the Skinner and Broadbent Company, a real estate uh, strip center developer. And that experience inspired me with the germ of the idea for what grew into Storage Express. As Adam said, the largest self-storage company in Indiana. Uh, I traded that uh, over time into the, an S&P 500 company, and I'm still involved, significant shareholder, and I'm on their board of directors. But the dynamism that I felt in this city of ours, when I came down to work, Capitol Center was a brand new building that Michael Browning had put up, and I got to see the Chase Tower, the Bank One Tower going up, uh, and uh, the BMO Plaza, uh, uh, that vertical growth in our city was just extraordinary. And it was fun to be here and to go to lunch downtown. And I'm so eager to see some of that come back, though it's going to have to come back differently as we transition in the way that we work and live. Our path toward leadership is driven by attracting intellectual capital to the hub of our capital city, to the hub of our state. Adam noted that I was on the Chancellor's Board of IUPUI. I have now served through three and a half chancellors, so I've been at this for a while. I'm a graduate of IU Bloomington and Purdue West Lafayette, but been very involved in IUPUI. Yay. Not a point of bragging, but the gateway there on West Street, the Street Gateway uh, uh, there, Mary and I had a hand in, and it supports scholarships for some Indiana kids at IUPUI, and we're, we, we're just so proud of that. Um, we're on the cusp of something special. We're going to take IUPUI and create two freestanding Research One universities right here in the middle of our city. And the economic implications and amplification opportunity is the most important opportunity that I think our city will face 
over the next decade or two. It's so important that we get that right. In all of my meetings of the Chancellor's Board, <laughs> Mayor Hogshead, a graduate of IUPUI, never attended. Never attended. And in my three and a half chancellors that I've served on that board, I will, I will not only appoint someone at the cabinet level to be engaged in the mission of Purdue University, Indianapolis, and IU, IU Indianapolis, I'm going to turn it myself because it will be fun, as we take two well-known academic brands and grow those Research One universities. It's an extraordinary, not unique, but extraordinary opportunity, and we must anchor these universities to Indianapolis's growth. These projects are rolling forward, and imagine what we can do as we take that hard tech corridor that President Mung speaks about from West Lafayette down to Indianapolis, and the STEM corridor that President Witten talks about from Indianapolis down to Bloomington, with Indianapolis at the epicenter of it, and we take 16 tech and the ability to leverage tech transfer and all the energy, the capital, the investment that we can bring into this city as we figure out how to make that work and for Indianapolis to truly stand out amongst cities once peer and those that have momentarily eclipsed us, including Columbus, Ohio, where they have Ohio State University. I mean, we can get this back and we can turn this around and do some extraordinary things. Uh, so, our own Senator Young's worked so hard on the Chips and Sciences Act, they'll be central to part of, of what's going to make this possible with that engagement. Um, and I'm excited to expand upon that vision for our city. You'll hear more of that roll out as we, as we, as we litigate this campaign going to November 7th. I'm a real estate guy. I want to build. But first is always the foundation. The foundation of a growing city is a safe city. And goodness, if you hadn't heard any message on public safety, you've not been paying attention. We need to be in a position to make dynamism happen. And to do that, you need a straightforward moral obligation to reduce the bloodshed that's affected so many families in our city. Those gathered here are amongst the most informed and tuned in. You can read 12 pages of my public safety plan on the Shreve from Mayor website, but let me give you the highlights. We're going to bring back the public safety director position. Sounds pedestrian. But every mayor of Indianapolis and Shunagov has had an executive public safety director, and man, oh man, do we need it. We need it because the job of mayor is big and broad and, and encompassing, and we need that civilian executive leadership to help turn us around on these areas where we are stumbling mightily. We're going to hire more cops. Sounds like a simpleton approach, but we are at least 300 down. Uh, FOP chief, uh, our lead president, said we were 322 down and heading toward 400 down. There is no workaround from having sufficient numbers of police on our streets to deal with both public safety, uh, 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 private property, and just providing our citizens a place in which they want to lay their heads at night, let alone live here. That's the way our tax structure works. You've got to live here, you're going to pay taxes here to make this work. Um, I will pivot from recruitment to retention. High value officers in that five to ten year period, 
Uh, those are the talent that we most need in investigations. And friends, it wasn't a lifetime ago, it was just an administration ago that the solve rate on our homicides exceeded 80%. We're down in the 30s today. You can get away with murder in this city, and that is no way for our citizens to live. Uh, we will lobby our state legislature. They may not all like me. Most of them know me. I will work hard to advocate for the interests of our city at that end of Market Street and to get some control over our gun laws. I am a gun owner, not a model NRA member, <laughs> but I believe in the essential right to responsible gun ownership. But right now, if a 19-year-old kid is walking down the streets of Broderickville at 3 a.m. with a Budweiser in one hand and a 9mm in the other, he's guilty of one crime. And that needs to change. Our cops need more tools, including some important ones that we took away from them last year. We know guns don't shoot themselves. I get that. I've heard that. Believe me. And yet we have a serious revolving door problem. Right now, we aren't prosecuting reckless cases of of a weapons discharge. We should. This needs to stop. We can find the political will to do that. We can do that. And finally, finally, and perhaps most importantly in all this, we got to address the root causes of crime in ways that we haven't yet. Whether they be uh, seated in food deserts, youth programs, mental health issues in our city. Our city council has begun wrestling with his budget, $1.6 billion. I've been through a half dozen budgets. This is a lot of work, and God bless our council members. Dan Boos was just heading out to go to a meeting. $1.6 billion. Our city spends $2 million on its clinician-led response team. Good, noble start, but let's really invest in mental health and the root causes of crime if we're going, if we're going to turn this one around. So that's a starting list. There's so much to do. In closing, I'm running because of a core conviction that the current leadership isn't getting the job done. I was appointed to serve our city county council twice. I worked with Mayor Hogshead. I gave him a chance, like we all did. I have no interest. I have no interest in mean or personal attacks on the man. He ran as a crime fighter, but from his handling of the riots to the police staffing to the lack of a core vision for our downtown, it's just not working. A quote, eight years is long enough to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Joe Hogshead, 2015, calling for term limits. After eight years, my friends, I was hopeful he could join the proud history of mayors and city leadership. Bart Peterson of his own party, a friend of mine for many years, had the courage and conviction to, to lead out in front on charter schools. But also Luger, Hunt, Goldsmith, and Ballard, Republicans, yes, but Republican leaders of a certain type that I identify with. Forward-facing, inclusive, what used to be called civil rights Republicans. I don't like labels, but maybe we can bring that one back. My political thinking grows out of that tradition. I hope our success in this campaign can be a model for the future of a party to which I am committed and I am aim to bring about meaningful generational change to our hometown. In governing, a fresh set of eyes on stale problems can make all the difference. I believe we can turn this around. I thank you for having me. I appreciate this chance to address all of you. And I look forward to continuing the evening. Adam, thank you again.
This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.